All right, welcome back. Um, Self-defense, the best scam by yours truly. Solomon, or Shlomo, as some of you guys know me as. Um, we are going to be talking about Chapter 10 this time around. I'm going to keep it nice and short with Chapter 10, um, mostly because, like the previous two chapters, it's more of a example, kind of a just an pointing things out, and I can summarize it pretty well, not necessarily reading through the thing, but we're going to go back to the reading on chapter 11 because we talk about some interesting things there that do need some more uh, explanation uh, on the chapter generally. So, talking about chapter 10, the second to last chapter. There's only 11 chapters, it's not super long, it takes maybe about a half hour to read. Uh, if you get it on Kindle, it's a really simple book. Really simple book. Really simple book. There it is. Uh, chapter 10. There are too many choices, but I'm going to read the first chapter for uh, the first paragraph for you guys. Uh, chapter 10. There are too many choices. Between Aikido from Japan, Sistema from Russia, Kajikembo from America, to the special style of emotional distress, Krav Maga from Israel. And what I mean by this, I genuinely mean that there are just way too many different martial arts styles. And... and, and you know, there's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, people who do different things, not everyone is of the same general makeup. You know, there, there are tall people, there are short people, there are people that have shorter legs, longer legs, um, thicker legs, and all. And the same thing goes for, their, for the rest of the other limbs in their body. And there's a lot of things that people generally just have that are very, very different. But there are too many choices. Um... If you are looking for self-defense and you decide that you want to take up, say, Aikido, because some Aikido schools do tend to advertise as a self-defense uh, school, which is terrible. Not because Aikido is terrible, but because Aikido doesn't provide the appropriate tool sets for you to be able to successfully defend yourself consistently against a mid-level fighter. Now, why is mid-level, like the entire book, the entire few chapters that I've been talking up until now, the, everything should be indicating you towards that you should be if you're going to learn self-defense, then you should be indicate you should be targeting someone who is at least a mid-level opponent or higher, and, and not necessarily because they're going to be the ones attacking you, but because they're the safest ones. You know, it's not like you're going to have. I mean, well, very well could be, but the likelihood of you having Conor McGregor assaulting you is not necessarily the same as having someone who goes to the gym regularly, has emotional issues, and they decide to take out their anger on you. If you're a very social individual, or even if you're not a social individual, and you just happen to be a bystander, or you're a person who's just chilling and gets attacked, these things do happen, especially in uh, the especially in today's climate. These things happen. So, that being said, you should always aim towards fighting someone who has at least some level of knowledge when it comes to hand-to-hand -to -hand combat. Assuming that your opponent doesn't have any knowledge in hand-to-hand -to -hand combat is extremely risky, and I would argue and, and say that it's kind of foolish. Um, there are traditional martial arts schools, I believe often found in Aikido schools, suggesting that if you are going to be in a fighting situation that you have the advantage because you've decided to be the oddball and take, in, take up martial arts. Um, that's assuming your opponent is stupid. Now, that's no different than entering into the ring and presuming that you, because 
your opponent has only ever done groundwork that you would be able to dominate that individual with your striking capabilities because all you have to do is keep them from going to the ground. Now, that's not true because closing the distance is a lot easier than it seems, especially when it comes to someone who doesn't know, who doesn't fully understand how to defend that, themselves from uh, that distance or from that individual trying to close that distance. So we're looking at something that is an acceptance of ignorance, so to speak, or not even, not, no, I guess that's not the right term. It's more assumption of ignorance. Like you're assuming that you're going to naturally be better than your opponent, which you should never do that. I mean, it's not that you are not good. That's definitely not the case. It's not that you can't train. It's not that you can't fight. It's not that. It's the assumption that you are better than your opponent. Now, that's the dangerous thing. Assuming that you are better than your opponent is not the wise way to do things. Uh, if you do assume that you're better than your opponent and your opponent decides to do something that is abnormal to your assumption, as in throw a very high-level technique because you didn't fully understand your opponent, or maybe you did and then you let your guard down because assuming that you know more than your opponent is an easy avenue to letting your guard down, then you can end up in a situation that is very unfavorable to both you and me. So if this is the case, assuming that your opponent can defend themselves is not a good idea. And because there's too many choices in the martial arts world for self-defense, you have to ask yourself, is this really something that there is just a lot of different ways to protect yourself with? Or is there a more codified way that makes a lot of sense that's really straightforward and straight to the thing and straight to um, and straight to the point? You know, in, in this chapter, I talk about where there's individuals that could fight off 10 men. And this was supposedly from, um, from a, oh, they're screaming in the background. My apologies. Uh, and this was supposedly from a movie called Yip Man. And it's from a story in China from Bruce Lee's martial arts instructor. Which I don't know how valid the story is. It's uh, it's unfortunate that the information that China provides involving some of its creative and more inspiring heroes is very diluted and difficult to track. And it's also uh, could just simply be a language barrier. Uh, the, the Chinese language is not nearly the same as the American language or the English language or most other languages like Latin or Hebrew or Arabic. I mean, the Chinese language, unlike almost all others, are essentially character picture telling, kind of like hieroglyphs, but more precise to a degree. Um, so you have all of these different things that could just simply be, simply be lost in the background. But um, one thing that I am saying is when it comes to self-defense and when it comes to having too many choices, if you have a system that is, that is praising its unified consistency and being able to defend itself, you have to ask what kind of fighting system are they operating under? Because if they're not operating under a fighting system that has the ability to adapt, then they're doing a styled-like combat system, which isn't the same as actually being able to fight with that system. And that's very, that's very unfortunate. So... There are too many choices in the martial arts. There's, there's a lot. There's, 
like I listed a few of them early on. And it's not that, again, it's not that I don't like Aikido or Krav Maga. I think they're interesting and I think that they're somewhat good for what they do. Um, however, I don't think that if you were to strictly learn either of those or even a combination of all of those, you would be proficient in hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat skill, which is what you need in order to defend yourself. Um, saying it outright right here, if you want to be uh, self, if you want to be able to have self-defense under your belt, the only way to get there is to know how to engage in combat. And what I mean by engaging combat, at the lowest level, I mean hand-to-hand -hand combat. Mid-level, weapons. Above that, I don't know, get a jet. <laughs> but that's expensive. Um, so if you know how to use your hands on hand-to-hand -hand combat leveled stuff, then you should be able to defend yourself. I mean, throwing a punch in a, in a ring... I mean, when you, when, you, when you break it down and you look at what's actually happening in the ring, which is, I believe I've said this before, the ring is the ultimate tester of what reality is when it comes to hand-to-hand -to -hand combat. The reason why you don't see Aikido and all of these other fancier martial arts that are, uh, that are uh, very loose in its origin and not very, and somewhat codified of secrecy or something like that, um, the reason why you don't see those martial arts in there, it's not because that they're too deadly. That's definitely not the case. The, the reason you don't see them there is because typically one of two reasons. There's no connecting bridge between the technique itself and the actual uh, application of the opponent. What I mean by that is you could have a technique that is simply amazing, but there's no bridge between the technique itself and getting to your opponent. For example, if you have a double leg takedown, the double leg takedown or single leg takedown or any of these type of takedowns rem involves removing your opponent's leg. The bridge there it's, is itself the technique. If you were going to do a, a type of hand switching flip, right, from Aikido, I, I think they're called kotagaishis or, 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 or sh something, it doesn't matter. If you were to do something like that, the first thing that you would have to do is close the bridge. You would have to close the bridge between your hand being free and their hand being free. If the technique doesn't allow you to have that automatically there, then you're now having to close the bridge. Most of these self-defense techniques that are in engaged or involved, so to speak, with Krav Maga, Aikido, Kota, or maybe Kotagaish, maybe uh, not Kotagaish, um, Kajikampo. I don't, I don't really know Kajikampo, so I can't really speak to that one so well. Um, but Sistema, for sure, right? All of these, all of these martial arts that are very popular, right? They're, they're missing the bridge. Wing Chun, for example, right? I mean, there's there are techniques in there that allow you to escape and also allow you to not allow you to miss your target yes you can 100 miss your target with a double leg takedown or single leg or any type of these takedowns however then you're no longer doing the technique you know you could still you could still how do i say this properly you, you could still deliver a double leg takedown if you have one of the legs or or a singular leg. But if you're going to do the same thing with um, an outward bending hand, um, then you would have to 
assume that your opponent, once you do have that hand, you'd have to hope that your opponent is going to continue with that motion so that you can get that takedown. Because if your opponent, if your, if your hand is bent outwards, one of the easiest ways to get out of it is simply by turning your body towards your arm. If you turn your body towards your arm, then you no longer have it. This is getting really technical, but <laughs> it's for a purpose, I swear. Uh, if you turn your body towards, out, uh, tur if you turn your body towards your arm, then you no, then your opponent no longer has weight over you. Now, if the object, if the response is, then you would just move on to another technique. Then that's not a good system because if the objection, if the objective is to be able to finish off your opponent with a specific technique, then you should be able to finish off your specific technique. For example, if you do that with a, with a double leg takedown, right, and the opponent stuffs you, then you no longer have control of the leg, therefore you are no longer doing that technique. So you've, they've stopped your, they've stuffed your technique. But if you're still attached to the opponent on, say, a single leg, uh, say on a on one of those kotagaishi moves when you're where you're where you're grabbing someone's hand and you're trying to flip them that way, right? Let's say you're still attached and your opponent has just moved there, but now that you have no strength to be able to throw them over because their weight distribution has changed from its original orientation, then that's not a good technique because you still have you still have somewhat control but your 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 power is not full you, you don't have full control you know you, you have some control but you don't have full control you have the opponent's arm but what what good is the opponent's arm if you can't control your individual now if you can't control the individual then how are you supposed to move forward in the combat realm right because if you miss if you with the double leg takedown this is this is this is like really 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 what i try to say when i say Techniques have to have specific rules. If you have a technique, let's let's go back to I think it was chapter seven. Was it? Was it, yeah, I think it was chapter seven mm, where we talk about rules of techniques. Um, update. It was chapter six. So if we're in chapter six and we look at these again, the technique must have a learned escape. The technique must maintain complete control over the opponent. The technique must allow the user agility in combat. The technique must prevent the opponent from, con from countering the attack. And like th those are four absolute best techniques. If you have a wrist grab of any kind and the learned escape for wrist grab is not a learned escape. Like, yes, you could grab someone's wrist and they could wiggle their arm about and they could do all of these different things. And there there are in Krav Maga, there is a type of learned escape. But that's assuming that you were even going to do that. If you grab someone and they just and 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 they're and you're trying to prevent them from doing something or you're trying to get them under your control, what is stopping them from using their other hand and punching you? Uh, which is going to result in you not having control of your opponent, which is uh, the technique must uh, must maintain complete control over the opponent, which you won't have complete control because they're punching you in the face, so you can't control them. Um, so there's that. I mean, then, then you, like, with a double leg takedown or a single leg takedown, you have to have a learned escape. How do you learn to get out of a double leg takedown? Some people, I mean, 
it's not fair to say that the natural response is going to be a stuff, but it could also simply be that, oh, I'm just going to push this person down to the ground because some people actually have taken wrestling growing up in high school. So if that's the case, then maybe they're just going to do a natural stuff. But if you have the legs, then you are doing the technique beforehand. Like there's a point of there's a point where the point of contact is the creation of the technique. The second that you grab the opponent, that's the technique. That's when it starts going beforehand. That's not a technique. That's just movement. So if you're moving towards the technique and you grab the individual, then that's then that's the actual technique. So this whole thing about there being a whole bunch of different martial arts that are providing specific ideologues for self-defense is kind of rubbish simply because there's only so many things that you could do to take a body down once you've engaged in contact. Because the second that you engage in contact, that's when your technique starts. If you're trying to do something like a, like a hand throw or throwing someone down from the hands or anything like that, you have to have those rules being able to apply. Now, there are certain arm techniques that 100% work almost all of the time. Like if you grab someone's arm and somehow manage to bend it, you have and you have it close to your chest. You can take that person down to the ground. Now, they're, they're, it's hard. There are certain techniques that they that you can do it, and the gap of escape is really really small. But it's better to have no gap than some gap when it comes to techniques of taking a person down. So, yes, essentially, in chapter ten, we're talking about there are too many choices there, there, there's too many choices um, um, and I guess it's a good thing to a degree because you know it keeps your opponents guessing but at the same time once you know once you have the same techniques like look at boxing for example boxing has only six punches but not everyone is a world champion there are a lot of good boxers but not everyone is a world champion why is that it has a lot to do with the the, the boxers creativity and ability to execute uh, on their command. So I don't know if it, I don't think I don't think it's a real argument to be had that there should be a plethora amount of techniques for you to pick from. What I do think is I think we I think as self-defense instructors just simply got to start teaching people how to fight because there's a huge difference. There's a huge, huge difference between going through specific techniques and going through uh, combat situations. If you go through a combat situation, the objective 100% should be your opponent's trying to attack you, you're trying to defend yourself or attack your opponent, and you're trying to either submit your opponent or get your opponent to stop moving. So if if you're trying to submit your opponent, those require high-level high level techniques they don't require you to do a simple technique that could get them out because if they're if they're continuously coming after you and they you do one of those arm techniques and then it doesn't work they're just going to continue coming after you but if you do a double leg takedown they now have to do what stand back up then come after you you the more the more space you can the more cushions that you put between them coming after you the better off you are with those techniques double leg takedowns for example they have to stand up then come after you um doing a leg lock in its full completion they have to heal stand up then come back to you these arm movements 
assuming you do manage to completely execute it, they just have to stand up and get back to you and they have no injuries. At least with a double leg takedown, you can uh, you can harm them. Uh, you can win them, you can get their head to hit the ground. There's a lot of different things, but why would you stop there? The double leg takedown is just an entry move. You know, there's a double leg double leg takedown and then you can move on to um, a heel hook, or you can move on into the mount position, and then you could submit them that way. You could uh, you could fully mount them, and then you could get them in some sort of uh, rear neck choke and move them around, or front choke, or anything like that. You have the ability. You're in control. You have complete control over your opponent. And that's the objective. That's the that's what I mean when I say that there's just too many choices. There's there's a lot of choices. The, the, I'm looking at the chapter right now, and it, it doesn't really talk about this. But what I'm saying what I'm saying now is like. There are a lot of choices, and it's 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 more detrimentally, it's more bad for you than good for you. Like you shouldn't like if you want self defense, you should one hundred percent really just go to a specific location and then know that's what you're getting. Everyone should agree with it. Uh, not necessarily not have a hive mind, not have a hive mind because Aikido individuals have a hive mind. You know, but if you go out to uh, if you go out to Japanese martial arts, they'll have a hive mind suggesting that their martial arts is also good. Or kempo, same thing, or any type of Shaolin kung fu. Like these things are great; they're fantastic; they're good in martial arts, but they're not great for self defense. And a lot of them are even worse for hand to hand combat. Uh, but that's a separate issue. So that was chapter ten, a I don't know, a revised version of it, uh, so to speak. And yeah, next chapter, the last chapter, we're going to be talking about EK. Um, yeah, which stands for executable knowledges. Executable knowledge, like E, the like letter E and then K, like EK. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about that next chapter. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you next Friday. And that'll be it. That'll be all of, that'll be the entire book. And uh, thank you for sticking with us for, for this entire time. Um, really, really do appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Oh, yeah. In case you want to follow anything that I do, the underscore nine on Instagram. Go ahead and follow me there. If you want to email me a question, shoot me a, shoot me an email at the underscore solutions at gmail.com. If you have any other questions you want to ask, go ahead and DM me on Instagram or whatever you want. All that stuff is good. Uh, if you want, you could also go to our store. We have a store. We have some merchandise with our logo. It's the Tomoe symbol. Um, there are reasons behind that. I don't know if you guys want to hear the reason why, but it's there are reasons. And we also have our general website in case you want to. If in case you're in the area and you want to have a one-on-one -on -one session with me, so we can do that. But yeah, other than that, thank you for listening. I am Solomon, and I'll see you next time. Or I guess I'll I'll hear you next time. Or I guess you'll hear me next time. I don't I don't know how that works. Huh? Never thought of that.